Welcome to episode 28 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, Joe, Matt, Andrew, and Matt. And today we're recapping a big UConn win. They beat Providence on senior night. It was a blowout, 87 to 69. Really, everyone contributed. It was a full team effort. Jordan Hawkins led the way with 20. You had Sonogo with 16, uh, Caravan with 16, Newton, a solid game. Everybody from top to bottom was just great. It was a total domination in the second half. You had $2 beer night at Gamble. So that had the crowd into it, a whiteout. A lot of a lot of perks for the fans at the game. It was just a great environment. Last game in the Gamble Pavilion this season, and UConn came away with the victory. Yeah, and I just wanted to say something that um, Jordan Hawkins said in the post-game presser was that basically the team was just on a revenge tour. And, um, you know, we got Marquette back. We got um, we got Seton Hall back. Um, we got um, Providence back at home. You know, $2 beer night and stand a chance. I think in a way, these losses that we had early in the season – are kind of good for us because, like Matt just said, I mean, we got three of our, what is it, six Big East losses back. I mean, the Xavier ones hurt. That counts for two. But, I mean, they were they were better than us each time. Uh, but we got a big one on Saturday, and that's at the, the Garden against St. John's in a game that we really should have had. But, you know, we have our revenge game in that one. And that's not only a revenge game, but it's uh, – it might be titled the Naheem Aline game because he is just a singular point away from 1K. I mean, he had a great game against Providence. He had three threes, didn't miss a couple of rebounds, and he's been really up and down this whole uh, season. You know, he's had his highs and lows, but, you know, to get that 1K points threshold, he was one of the the four people honored on senior night. Um and you know to get to that 1k points threshold it's it's a big accomplishment so i really i i believe that he'll get that against st johns i mean really if not he'll probably get it against somebody like depaul but uh yeah that st johns one is just really it's really important yeah and uh one thing i just want to point out quickly is that um we went on that little slump in the middle of the year uh that was a big deal for us and everyone we were two seed at the time and you know we were looking at a one seed in March and all of a sudden everything was crumbled down if you remove that three game stretch where we lost to Marquette St. John's and Seton Hall right now you're 21 and four um that's an entirely different season uh people are looking at 21 and four and 21 and seven much different especially with the season that UConn uh has had outside of those three losses I mean you've only lost to Creighton uh, you lost to Xavier and you lost to Providence, which are, I think, all above us right now in the standings, if I'm correct. Um, so, I mean, outside of that little slump we had around Christmas time, uh, this team's been very effective all season. And, I mean, we seem to be back in form, the form that we were at the beginning of the season with two huge wins over two of the top three teams in the conference. And I'm just excited to see, you know, where this heads towards the end of the season and into the Big East tournament. Yeah, and with this win over Providence and the one you mentioned over Marquette, they weren't just wins. They were like 15-plus point blowout wins. That's great to see. And also the scheduling, you mentioned it too. We had a tough stretch around Christmas. We also had to play in around like a nine, eight-day span at Xavier, at Providence, and at Marquette in a home game against Creighton sprinkled in, which we took. So that's a really tough schedule. I don't know. I don't have all the biggie schedules in front of me, but I doubt any team had to play the top four, four straight 
So obviously playing on the road, three of those games, you're expecting some struggles, even though we were undefeated going into that stretch. But I'm just glad we're getting these games at home on the back end of the season. It's just nice to say that the toughest part of our schedule is out of the way um, before tournament play. Obviously that schedule is very tough, but um, you know, the slump in our regular season really correlates to the um, really tough stretch that they had in the schedule there. So those games are out of the way. Now they're getting some of these teams back at home. The games are a little more spaced out. So it's just, it's definitely been um, a noticeable turnaround since um, things lightened up a little bit. I mean, watching this team play after those losses, like games like this clearly mean something to them because they played with so much intensity. I mean, I loved watching Caravan because he, he, in the beginning of the season, he was a guy who just really, like, if he made a shot, it's just back on defense, you know, nothing about it. But I mean, now like he snuck under the hoop, went up for the, the Duncan and like flex to the crowd, made a three um, motion to the crowd. Like even that, like getting intensity from everybody on the floor. And that was something that I mentioned earlier in this season was that we didn't have the intensity of people like Isaiah Whaley, Tyrese Martin, RJ Cole. But I mean, maybe they heard me because they've been playing with a lot more intensity and especially Hawkins, especially Hawkins. Yeah, especially Hawkins, and I'll that leads me into I'll talk about some of the players what they did. Hawkins, he had a little injury scare. I got I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous when he like I don't know if it was an ankle or honestly looking at the replay, it didn't look like an ankle, so that could be even worse. But he came back after like a minute or two out, and it wasn't his A game. He had Devin Carter, one of the best perimeter defenders in the country, on him, but still not his A game. He registered twenty points, hit three threes, and had six rebounds. I mean, we'll take that any any day of the week. And then Tristan Newton, it wasn't wasn't his best game. He had 12 points and seven rebounds, seven assists. The stats were there. He didn't really do too well from the field. He went three for 10, one or two from three. He hit a big three early on, though. But it's good to see him back into the swing of things. We'll talk about the St. John's game coming up on Saturday. We'll preview it in a little bit. He did not have a good game against St. John's last time out. So it's good to see he's got that fully out of his system. I don't think we'll have another dud again this season. You have Alex Caravan, who has had a very underrated game. He had 16 points and eight rebounds. And that's when he was uh, guarding Bryce Hopkins, who, if you guys remember, cooked him last time for 27 points. Hopkins just had 16 last night and no rebounds, which is surprising. And another side note here with Caravan, um, I saw a ESPN 2024 mock draft. And it had Caravan at 41 and Hopkins at 43. And you know Providence fans ate that up on Twitter saying, what does Caravan even do? Well, here's what he does. He scores the same amount of points as your quote-unquote Big East player of the year. And he has eight rebounds to his zero. So statement game from Alex. Yeah, and I wanted to bring up Newton again. Uh, if you look at the score, the box score, he hit his magic number for shots, which was 10. Uh, I mean, he only hit three of them, but it seems like he's just more in the game whenever he's shooting more shots, because if he doesn't put up 10 shots, you know, and you'll, the rebounds and the assists aren't there, uh, points are never there. But I mean, it, it's like the second he takes his 10th shot, it's like something clicks in his head. Uh, all these games in which he takes 10 shots, we play so much better. And I just think it's he, he needs to be involved in the game more. Uh, we need more of him at the one. And, and I like the the rotation that Hurley has done with him and Diara, where he hasn't completely excluded Diara from the lineup. But at the same time, you know, he's making sure that everybody knows who his uh, number one point guard is. 
this team runs through two people. It's Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson. If those two are going, then guys like Sonogo, Hawkins, Caravan, they're going to get going. And then teams are going to want to forfeit early because that's what happened in this one. I mean, I mean, Jackson will never be a scorer, but the intensity that he had in the passes he was making, like that sequence where the ball went out of bounds, Jackson saved it, got it to Newton, Hopkins tied it up, and then Newton like made a move to try to get it away, and then Jackson fired it all the way across at about 120 miles an hour to Hawkins, who hit a three. Plays like that are going to win us games. Hustle plays like that where Providence isn't necessarily – in the play, you know, they're just sleeping. Um, but if those two are on, this entire team's going to be on. But as we've seen in games like the last St. John's one, if they're off, then the entire team's going to be off. So this team really runs through two people. And I think that their playing time is really going to pick up in the Big East tournament and then in a March Madness because it's showing really that Newton's on, everybody's on. If he's off, everybody's off. So I think that's really one of the most important things to take away from these last couple of games. Yeah, and Alex Caravan just keeps proving that he can run with the big dogs. He consistently, you know, he's not putting up big games like um like statement games, but he is putting up just productive stats on a week week in week out basis. He's winning a lot of Big East um freshman of the weeks and he's building himself a case for Big East freshman of the year. And um he's just he he proved some people wrong and he just is continuing to do that. Yeah, and uh, it seems like as the season has come on, uh, gone on, it seems like Caravan has kind of done a bit of reverse uh, fatigue. He's had a bit of reverse fatigue where, you know, as the season goes on, usually players tend to, you know, fade away a little bit more, not try to be as physical. But as the season has gone on, I feel like Alex Caravan has done way more inside the paint, way more on the offensive glass, way more on the defensive glass. And that's really what we needed because you've seen, you know, as he started to do these things, we've just been more successful. Uh, even in those games that, you know, we were losing on that little cold spell we had, you know, he was heavily involved. And, you know, one of the brighter spots in the team, he's been a bright spot all season, I feel. And, you know, it just took a little bit of maturing and a little bit of growing from him in order to, you know, unlock that full potential. Yeah, Caravan, you, you guys remember the Creighton game example, Arthur Kaluma guarding him, or he was guarding Kaluma, whatever you want to look at it. Kaluma, 16 rebounds. And just six weeks later, Hopkins had zero. That Obviously, I don't think the two correlate too much. It's kind of – rebounding's kind of a luck stat, kind of not, but it's just crazy to see that difference. Now, continue down the starting lineup here. Sonogo, he had a kind of a slow start. Didn't get too many touches early on, but – he was very efficient, seven for nine from the field, 16 points. And that pass early on, I don't know if you guys remember, it was a high-low pass to Caravan, and he just slammed it down. That's a pass we don't see him make too often, just the velocity on it and the awareness. It's really cool to see that. And we'll go to the bench now, Donovan Klingon. Happy birthday to him. Shout out. He's 19 years old today, which is crazy to say because he's so good and he's so young, and he'll be here for at least another year. We'll see where where that takes him. He 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 had a couple of couple of tough misses at the rim. He had like one possession where he couldn't make a layup. He missed a couple, but other than that, if he cleans that up, he had a very efficient game. He had seven points, three rebounds, blocked a shot. Just exactly what you need from him. You don't need the fifteen point, ten rebound performance you can get from him. But if you get that, obviously it's a plus. But you could, you'll definitely take seven points, three three rebounds in twelve minutes. 
Yeah, a guy like Donovan, you know, he just turned 19 today. He's a guy who I've noticed when he misses at the rim, he gets so wide open that he gets too excited because he know what he's he knows what he's gonna do, which is just slam it and use his long legs to step from I mean it feels like the three point line to the paint. But he he gets a little too excited at the rim sometimes because he knows that he's he's gonna slam it on somebody's head and the place is gonna go nuts. So that's definitely something to work on, you know, not always be in a rush, not just turn and try to slam it. But like maybe try to work on something kind of like a sky hook, not quite a sky hook, but at least like a move where you can spin and get open. But, you know, he's young. He's going to develop. But that's just what I picked up from him. But his his intensity is something that I love. And he's the definition of a Connecticut Husky. Yeah, we'll move on now. Aline, Andrew mentioned he's one point away from 1,000. He scored nine points. He's at 999. He didn't miss a three. And he's really our X factor. I didn't realize this until John Rothstein. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, I suggested he's a great follow for college basketball. Knows his stuff pretty funny, too, with his robotic-type tweets. He said, in games that Naheem Aline scores eight or more points, UConn is 9-0. and so if you get him his looks and he knocks him down, it's the, it's the recipe for success. I mean, and he's pivotal for this team. I'm going to call him the X factor. You need, obviously, teams trim the rotation down in March. Usually it's around seven, eight guys. You always, you need some solid bench production. And I feel like if he's a sixth man, we can count on for those eight points. That's, that's humongous. And I feel like he definitely can do that. He can knock down a couple of threes. Like we saw, he can score inside occasionally. He's played solid perimeter defense. Obviously it's probably not the season he envisioned having at UConn when he transferred here, less than five points per game, but his role down the stretch is going to be huge. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like that record that we have with him above eight points. Um, I feel like that makes a bit of sense because uh, Aline, honestly, when he scores to me, it's like bonus points because we're not necessarily looking at him uh majority of the time. So whenever you can get him good looks and he could get points in, uh, I mean, that's big because if you're getting a lot of production from someone that you're not necessarily getting your production from, and when we're losing production from guys that we, you know, we expect big production from, you know, it really helps. And, you know, if he can just stay consistent, you know, even if he can't get eight, get six, get five, get seven, you know, uh, you know, keep your role in the team and just, you know, bring anything off the bench because that first half of the season was pretty rough, but the season gone on, you know, he's become a much better player. Yeah, and in my opinion, Nahima Lean could really be an important player for us going down the stretch here. Um, just because I always like hang on to the whole thing that he had his career high in March Madness 31. And he's so experienced. And like we were talking about, he really is an X factor for us when we're getting production from him. Um, it makes things a lot easier on other guys. So he really could be important going down the stretch here. And hopefully if he gets to a thousand points, it could do something like unlock him and he could give us some solid production, but just one more guy to give us seven, eight, um, going into big East play going into the March madness. It's just, it could be so crucial. Mm -hmm. And a combination of what he does and his role for the team. is like UConn's Tyler Polly this year. Ty's a pretty good friend of the pod. Aline's pretty much that like last year they played six guys pretty much against uh, New Mexico state. And it was just the starters and Polly and Aline is that guy this year. I'm not saying they'll trim down to six again. I'd honestly be shocked, but yeah, 
end of discussion. Aline is the X factor for this team. We'll move on to the rest of the bench real quick. DR of 10 minutes didn't do any scoring, but got a couple assists. I'm fine with that. His role is not to score the basketball. It's to be disruptive on defense and give guys like Newton and Jackson a break from handling the ball. Uh, Joey, he was he back in the rotation a little bit. He checked in in the first half after a DND against Eaton Hall. He didn't, he scored a three, like the last bucket of the game. It's good to see him score on his senior night. He's, even though he'll probably be out of the rotation for Big East tournament in March Madness, he still has a chance to be crucial for this team to come in and hit a three like he did at the end. And Richie Springs, of course, checking in on his senior night. Great to see that. I've seen stories that he's great. He's His role on this team is much more than just being a guy at the end of the bench in practice. He does it all, and I'm glad to see him honored and get in the game. I was hoping it'd be either a big win or not hoping it'd be a big loss, but just hoping a situation where you get to see Rick Richie on the floor. And it was, and we'll talk about Providence real quick. Jared Bynum. He couldn't miss in the first half four for four from three, but he like barely played in the second half. I was worried he'd have a game where he go for 20 something points. He only finished with what he only finished with 14. And that's, that's good to see for us. I don't know why he didn't play more often. Bryce Hopkins, I mentioned, he did phenomenal against us last time. He had 16 tonight, or last night, which led the Friars, but it was kind of a quiet 16. He didn't really worry me too much. I mean, he scored seven straight points early on, but besides that, he was fairly quiet. And Noah Locke, he has a, I don't know if you guys noticed it too, he has a very unique style, similar to Hawkins. He just catches it and just fires it. His legs go out. I, he's, he's, a, he's a pest to play. I mean, he didn't do too great in this one. He only made one three but he's had games I've seen when I've watched Providence he's made five or six so glad he had an off night and one more Providence player I want to talk about making his Gamble Pavilion debut Corey Floyd getting the cardio in with those 15 minutes did not score he did get a rebound and an assist though so good for Corey you know with Providence they were out rebounded by us 40 to 20 and you're not going to win a game when you get out-rebounded by 20. That's where we'll start with this. I mean, the Providence fans on Twitter blame the refs. And then Isaiah Whaley, a new good friend of the podcast, took to Twitter and brought the stats out. It was 14-12 to 12 us, and we led with fouls. Um, I mean, obviously somebody didn't do their research. Whoever tweeted that, I don't remember. But, you know, with with them, it's it's that really the fans, I think, were the biggest part of this game i mean uconn fed off the fans i mean you know you had that two dollar beer night and lord knows how that went you had big larry from twitter sneaking into the student section into the front row um that's great to see always but you know it's just it was the key night and the key crowd the exact crowd that uconn needed to be a team like providence because you know they wanted to beat you again after they they beat us pretty bad at their own place but it was the crowd, I think, was the the MVP in this one. Although we had two people with 16 points and one with 20, I think the crowd's got to get the MVP for this one. Yeah, Cardio Corey and uh, Providence really couldn't get anything going. They had two starters shoot above 50% or 50%, which was terrible. Um, Bryce Hopkins, you know, outside of scoring, which he shot four of 10. He had 16 points. He didn't really do much either. Uh, they couldn't really stop us at all. We scored 87 points which is, you know, really good for this point of the season against a team like Providence putting up 87. You know, you're looking at putting up 87 in the preseason. We just put up 87 in one of our final games against a big conference rival. So, I mean, I'd I love to see how we're doing. And, you know, I'd love to see us going to St. John's and repeat this, repeat this performance. 
Yeah, as soon as the broadcast ended, they said it was Providence's first double-digit loss since they lost at TCU in late November. That's that's huge for us. I mean, we did it pretty easily. Like you said, 18-point win, handled them in the second half, a little close in the first, but overall, phenomenal team effort. And another interesting stat that I noticed, and a lot of people were talking about, is that there were no free-throw attempts in the first half. The refs were just letting him play. UConn had just one foul, and it was a, it was a questionable clinging offensive foul on a screen so arguably you could say we had no fouls and Providence just had four and I saw someone tweeted it out I don't have the credit up but he had this was the sixth game this season in division one there were no free throw attempts in the first half and he followed that with obviously there were free throw attempts in the second half but I don't know just it felt like the pace was very very fast in that first half obviously there were no free throws but it's just interesting to see and then UConn got a tough whistle right out of the break. I mean, Providence was in the bonus within like six or seven minutes. They were in the double bonus with like 10 minutes left. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the refs doing something or if it's um the Huskies themselves doing something right or a combination of the both, but I feel like in games that are – um good flowing like very fast pace with a good flow um the huskies do better where they could kind of play out of control but in control at the same time when they could just get up and down without a lot of whistles um it's the way this team is built and it's the way dan harley probably has his practices going um so when they could just get out and run in transition it changes a lot of things up for them and i love games when it's just free flowing and no whistles it's some of the most fun basketball you could watch all right, I got two more little quirky points here about the Providence game, then we'll move on. First, I saw former Husky Doran Sheffer from Israel was in attendance, and I saw he took a picture with Yaron Hassoun, who's also from Israel. So it's cool to see that connection overseas. I'm sure I'm sure Hassoun has t- talked a lot with Sheffer, both being from Israel, playing for UConn. That's a little cool thing I saw today. I thought I'd shout that out. And also, in the NBA, there's this elusive club. I don't know how elusive it is. I don't know who's in it, if it's that rare. But I know the 50-40-90 club, you want to shoot 50% from the field, 40 from three, and 90 from the free throw line. UConn is a team. They did that last night. They shot 53% from the field, 48% from three, and 93% from the free throw line, which arguably is the most important stat there because they've had their struggles. So it's good to see they're making their shots. They're, t- they're taking shots, making shots. And when they're missing 15 offensive rebounds, not too many empty possessions for UConn. And I said I had two more things. I forgot I had one more here. We'll talk about this very briefly because I feel like it's honestly nothing. But Ed Cooley had an interesting quote after the game in the press conference. He said, Connecticut has been very fortunate to have some incredible teams and incredible coaches, and this fan base is extremely spoiled. Appreciate winning. Don't get arrogant with it. Appreciate it and try to get try to get the next one. I don't I feel like that was a little uncalled for. It's kind of like sore loser vibes, like, oh, you won, but you're rubbing it in our face. Don't do that. You're you're spoiled. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. It's, I feel like I feel like it's I don't know. That's that's all I got. I don't know. Okay, so I don't want to get too wrapped up in this because, I mean, it's clearly he was bent out of shape because his team just got the doors blown off of them. And, you know, his team, I feel like it really surprised him because his team is good as much as it feels weird to say Providence is a good team. I mean, Bynum, Devin Carter, um, Hopkins, they're all good players. Um, They just really, they didn't come to play. 
And I feel like he didn't really want to admit that because it, it's tough to admit it. I mean, give credit to the guys who do admit it, but that's like, that's something that shouldn't be said. I mean, calling us, what do you call us? Don't, don't be arrogant about it. I mean, telling us not to be happy because we just beat our rivals by 18. Like I, it is, it's definitely a sore loser type of thing. And don't worry, UConn Twitter ate that one up as quick as he said it. So you don't have to worry there, but I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but although I could not imagine what it would be like if Dan Hurley said that, I mean, I feel like people like, Pro like if that happened to us, like if we got blown out by 18, when we played at the amp, I feel like Providence fans would be calling for Dan Hurley to be thrown in jail and banned from college basketball and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's definitely a weird thing to say after a game like that, but you know, I'm not going to get too wrapped up in it. It's dumb. Tell your players and fans the same thing, Ed. Tell them the same exact thing that you're telling us. And Hurley can't say that because Providence fans uh, have not been spoiled, you know, up until very recently. I mean, how many banners do they have hanging in the amp? I'm not sure. Did they hang up that, uh, that regular season championship yet? Uh, they, oh, they yes, better... they did. They've got say. their regular season championship and 19 whoever knows NIT title. Oh, yeah. The big they got there they go. You know, they've been spoiled with NITs. Don't get too cocky, Ed. Yeah, at the end of the day, Ed Cooley is a great coach, a great person. That's just a weird thing to say. I don't I don't know. I'll, again, I'll leave it at I don't know. Just move on. Well, we're going to preview the St. John's game, but real quick, Big East tournament. UConn will be playing two weeks from today, most likely, hopefully, most likely. They'll be playing two weeks from today. We have a 92% chance to be the five seed and play that 230 slot on Thursday afternoon. We have a 6% chance to be the four seed, which is unlikely we'd play the same game, four or five game. And a 2% chance we fall down to the six seed and Seton Hall passes us, which means we'd have to play Georgetown Wednesday night. But that's a lot that would have to happen for that to be the case. So we can pretty much rule that out pretty much confirmed we're, we're the five seed we're playing at that 230 time slot in the four or five game but our opponent for that one i have percentages i looked it's on twitter like a whole grid the odds of getting each seed and for the four seed there's a 40 percent chance we get round three at providence like cooley mentioned in one of his quotes how if we get that his team will be ready 40 percent chance for that 32 percent chance we get xavier and 21 percent chance it's creighton and the winner of that game would get Marquette or Butler slash St. John's, whoever wins that 8-9 game. So I want to ask you guys, out of the three teams that we could play, who would you rather play first? And remember, for Xavier, who obviously they beat us twice, but Zach Fremantle likely won't be suiting up because of his injury. I'd be surprised if they rushed him back like that. And Creighton and Providence obviously be split with both of them. So it's a really interesting case. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Give me Creighton. And there's a, there's a firm reason to that. There won't be anybody in the garden cheering for Creighton. They play all the way in Omaha, Nebraska. The teams in Georgetown might have fans. God knows with them. UConn will have plenty. Providence will have plenty. St. John's and Villanova will too. But I would much rather play Creighton because I don't think they're very good. Honestly, I really don't think that Creighton is as good as they show. You know, Xavier – they're very good. Xavier's a very well-coached team. I just don't think that Creighton is really a very good team, and I think a lot of their wins are because of where they play. You know, I made the point about it being in Omaha, Nebraska, and if you can tell me what activities you can do there besides watch the Creighton Blue Jays, props to you. But 
there won't be really any fans for that team at the Big East tournament. So I would I would take them, and especially because Sonogo knows how to play Kalkbrenners will be our third time playing them. And yeah, I would just I would take Creighton easily. I'm gonna take Creighton too, uh, mainly because that first game that we played, we beat them. I felt we only won by nine, but it felt like a pretty comfortable game. So now go high Kalkbrenner in his pocket the entire time. And then the second time we lost, I mean, they didn't beat us. In all honesty, I felt like we beat ourselves. Um, they couldn't get anything going either. We just couldn't get it going less. Uh, we just had a terrible day shooting the ball. Um, but I mean, so did they, and a few other calls were like, I'm not just saying I'm not blaming the calls, but you know, things just such as calls or, you know, loose balls, we dive on those things really change those kinds of games. So I feel like, you know, if we come in in March, uh, especially at, um, especially at the garden, you know, I think we come out on top pretty comfortably. I personally would want to play anyone besides Xavier. I feel like Xavier is a team we really struggled with all year. And it's kind of a toss up for me between um, Creighton and Providence. And um, I think I'd rather, after seeing the other night, I'd rather play Providence. I think that we're just on a different level than them right now. And when we lost them earlier this year, we were a completely different team. And um, I just really like our matchup against Providence right now. For me, I'm in a weird spot because obviously you can't control who this is. It's all we're saying this for nothing, but I'll probably go with Providence because I really want to see round three, especially with the rivalry between both the teams and the fans. I feel like that'll be amazing. And like Andrew mentioned, UConn shows out at MSG Providence does as well. I hope we'd have more fans there than them, but that'll definitely be a sold out game, even though it's a two thirty on a Thursday. That'll definitely be a sold out game with UConn Providence, and odds are. Odds as of now, it's the most likely matchup. But I, I'm i not too – it's a weird spot where I feel like we can beat all the teams, but I also feel like we can lose to all the teams. Uh, I don't know, though. I, I, I'd say Providence probably with Creighton and Xavier probably tied for next up. But I don't know. I'll go Providence. And we'll move on now to the St. John's game at MSG on Saturday. And like we mentioned, UConn fans show out. It, it'll be a UConn home game hopefully. But last game against St. John's, Matt and I, we were there. It was ugly. Hawkins went for tw- went for 31, and Caravan 16, Adama 14, the rest of the team just 13 points combined. It was a very lazy, very, very lazy defensive effort. It felt like every, every possession, St. John's was just walking down the court, dribbling by us and laying it in. This was the, like I mentioned, the infamous Newton game, 18 minutes, no points. I, that'll be improved, I hope. Six Red Storm players were in double figures, led by Joel Soriano's 19 and 13. And like I said, the lack of defense and just I feel like we'll see a completely different outcome this time around. Yeah, before the season, I, I remember I marked this as my matchup to watch. Um, and I felt like St. John's came out and showed us exactly why uh, they had that little bit of preseason hype that they did have. They came out and they, they just stomped all over us. Um I feel like I can account that loss entirely uh, to the fact that they were way more physical than us and we couldn't handle it. Uh, We won the rebound battle, but it didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like it was a game where we had the boards unlocked. It felt like Joel Soriano uh, was doing whatever he wanted. Adama had 14 and 10, you know, which is, it's a good game. It's Adama. That's like a typical game. Soriano had 19 and 13. Um, That was a big problem, especially 
uh, with Caravan. This was during his stretch. He had a very good offensive game, but, you know, on the defensive end, he couldn't seem to get it together. They had four players with 12 or more points in the starting lineup. And then on the bench, they had Pinson and Carbello with more than 10. So they were getting buckets and numbers. We couldn't really do much about it. But um, I, I don't think this is a performance that repeats itself. I uh, feel like this is a bit of a one-off, uh, especially with how, you know, they shot the three. They shot 15% from three, and we still lost. So I feel like we come out, uh, I feel like we make a, a pretty big statement pretty early. I, I don't think the game will be very close. No, this this is another revenge game, and UConn's really de- killed the revenge games. I mean, Marquette and Providence, but I feel like Danny's telling them, now that it doesn't matter who they're playing. I mean, they have so much confidence at this point that they could just steamroll even the Celtics um, because they've been playing their best basketball, really, that we've seen probably since the PKI. But, you know, this one, MSG is always – I mean, last year they gave us trouble. We only won by three, and it came really down to the wire. But I feel like this one's going to be different because whatever Hurley said to them in the locker room after that game – really must have woke him up because that was probably the worst game I've seen them play this season. It was really, really bad. Um, But I feel like that definitely won't repeat itself because St. John's really isn't all that good. I mean, we have all better players than them. Um, But I'd love to see if Corbello is going to be rocking those those sunglasses again. If you're going to the game, try to get those for me. I love those. I'd love to keep those in my – in my possession, but I think this would, this is going to be not even close. I think we're going to win this one by 10 plus. Yeah. And last time we played these guys, um, it kind of just seemed like uh, they were getting whatever they wanted. And especially inside, I remember how frustrating it was watching Andre Curbelo go inside and score on us being six foot one, you know, just being the smallest guy on the floor. And he's wearing his Morpheus glasses, which is a cool look, I'll add. I'll give that to him. But um, it's just they definitely caught this UConn team sleeping. And that was when UConn was going through a habit of sleeping through games. And recently, it seems like even if they haven't won, and they have been winning a lot more recently, the intensity has just been on a higher level than it was that night. So this will be a really good gauge to see what the intensity of this team is like on a night-to-night basis. But um, I, I feel like at this point in the season, um, we, we've been playing so good. I'd be super surprised to see us lose this one. Yeah, to sum it up, St. John's has been a mess this year. They started the year hot in non-conference play. They were, I believe, 10-1 and one in non-conference, but it's just been – falling down very quickly for them. We mentioned Curbelo a few times. He's one of a couple players that's been suspended by the coach this Big East play. Curbelo suspended for like maybe three games. He came back last game, so he'll play most likely. You don't never know with Mike Anderson. He'll most likely play on Saturday. And Rafael Pinzone, who Matt mentioned, came off the bench for double figures. He's been suspended the past couple of games, all for like team protocol stuff. So they're really just a mess out in Queens. UConn should handle this one pretty well. And I'm curious to see – I don't remember the defensive matchups from last game, but I'm curious to see if they'll throw Andre Jackson on Pasha Alexander because you've seen the success we've had with Andre on the point guards like Primo Spears held him scoreless against, with Georgetown. Tyler Kolek kept him in check against Marquette. Posh, he's not a real scorer similar to Kolek, but he's a good playmaker and he can score once in a while. But I feel like that'd be the matchup to do, Andre on Posh. And also UConn had 21 turnovers 
to add on to their sleepiness on defense. I feel like neither of those will happen again. And also guys like Newton, I mentioned he didn't score. Jackson had a very bad game as well. He had like two points in 20 minutes fouled out and Aline didn't do anything either. All three of those guys are much improved since that game six weeks ago. So I feel like we'll see a very different UConn team, also a very different St. John's team. And I feel like UConn will come out on top. And that leads me into the players to watch real quick. We'll each give one and I'll go with Newton for the obvious reasons, how he struggled last time. I feel like he'll have a big game. I don't know if it's his first game at the garden, definitely his first game for the garden with UConn. I can see a 20.89 assist game from Newton fairly easily. Yeah, and I'm like I'm looking to see what Adamas Sonogo could do. Um, if he could really hold it down in the paint this game after what happened last game. Um, he kind of didn't really win the big up match. And um it, it's really important to this team when he does win the big up match. So let's get our one point Naheem and let's go home. Um, I'm gonna go with Naheem here. One thousand points. I feel like he breaks a thousand, and I feel like he breaks a heart. I feel like he has a pretty good game. I'm gonna go with caravan because he's been on a roll as of late and i think this is a game where teams will probably end up leaving him wide open and then having to pay for it because he's a very good player very good shooter been playing with more intensity that beard looks good still too so i feel like i feel like caravan's my guy for this one all right, and I think that'll just about do it here for episode 28. Recap the big Providence game, looked at the Big East tournament seedings a little bit, and also previewed the big game against St. John's. I'll be at the Garden. I won't be rooting for UConn, though, unfortunately. I'm with media, so I can't be cheering, but I obviously want the Huskies to win. So that'll be fun. And Matt, you have one more thing? Yeah, I just wanted to plug our seat geek code. Haven't done that in a while. Uh, I was checking today, which is why I want to do it. I was looking at Big East uh, tournament tickets uh, for the Garden. Pretty cheap for session one. I didn't see any other sessions, but for the first session, you're looking at $5 for a ticket right now uh, without fees. If you're looking at fees, you're looking at about 15 So if you use code HBTH, you know, uh, once we get that over $20, you can get some pretty good seats uh, for pretty cheap. I might end up doing it. I highly recommend you guys do it. So once again, if you use code HBTH, uh, you can get yourself some pretty sweet seats to the Big East tournament. Yeah, like you mentioned, $5. Obviously, $20 might get you in the lower bowl, and you can use the code. That's pretty much free. Um, UConn, I don't think UConn's playing in that first session. I'm pretty sure the first session is like the 6-11, 8-9, but it's still Big East basketball triple header for pretty much free. I mean, if you're in the city, you have nothing to do Wednesday. I feel like that's a no-brainer. And I feel like that officially caps off episode 28. We'll look for an episode, hopefully, between the St. John's game and the final home game against DePaul. But, yeah, thanks for watching.